<laughs> that was good timing. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my astonishing co-host, Courtney K. Courtney, hello, my friend. Hello, Fallon. My uh, the first adjective that came up was bright. Like, Ooh. oh, that's Fallon. And Aww. the second was reliable, and that's also you. <laughs> I like that. Yes, bright and reliable. Yes, you are a very uh, wonderful friend. Oh, thank you. Back at you. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while, but we did last week, so I don't know why it doesn't feel like it. I don't know about you, but last week for me was like one of the busiest weeks of my year. Yeah. Um, just wrapping up projects, lots of things for my day job and writing. And it was like, I feel like an entire month passed last week. Dude, I see it on same. your face too. <laughs> Yes, um, you, I think you tweeted or you did an, and you did something, a social media post last week about like, how do you know when you're finished with your book? <laughs> and it's when you want to throw it in the fire. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh, yeah, no, I'm there. I am, I'm right there. <laughs> Burn it. Burn right. it all. <laughs> like when you've stopped caring, like agonizing over all the details and you're like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Oh, that is the story of my life this week, and I am oh. I am ready to be done. You're wrapping up edits, right? <laughs> I am wrapping up edits on book three, and I think for me, I know I'm done when my brain starts working on the next thing. Like, my brain is already working on a, like, book five or six. <laughs> like, it's so far ahead <laughs> in the future. Um, and it will not get to work on book five or six for quite some time because I have other things I have to do. But uh, yeah, that's how I know I've, I've hit the wall. Yes. I hit the wall. I hit it hard. Oh, you're <laughs> so close. Also at that point, there was this quote from Lin-Manuel Miranda I read years ago. And I don't even remember what the exact quote was, but it was something like, when it gets hardest and it gets the most frustrating that no, you you know you're like just about to have a breakthrough or a milestone Ooh. or like because you've worked so 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 hard and like that last push yeah takes your last every yeah. bit of energy you have yeah like i have never run a marathon and i will never run a marathon but i imagine it's that similar feeling where you're just like i'm so done but you can like see the finish line and you just like have to push through that little extra bit Yes, you're almost there. Oh my god. So close. So close. What else has All been right. going on for you? Oh gosh. Um also the world has decided to bless us with like a lot of TV <laughs> in one short time period, which is a blessing and a curse, I think, um because I have been staring at my iPad for hours and hours every day. <laughs> but it has been a nice little like break from you know the mm -hmm. the deadline madness um so i'm watching lots of things but <clears throat> probably the best thing right now that came along at the perfect time is the new season of ted lasso Yay. which ted lasso is just like my comfort show like i love it so much i go back and i watch all the older <clears throat> episodes like all the time um it has produced some of my favorite 
favorite episodes of television that I just could watch a million times and, and never get tired of. Um, once Shit's Creek got pulled from Netflix, like Ted Lasso became my like rewatch show, my comfort rewatch show. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm a little bit concerned about where some of these storylines are going. Um, but I have faith that they are going to give us the ending that we need. And it is just, it's just hilarious. And I just love them all so much. They're just sweet little angel babies. And I just adore them. And it has been like a really good time to have like a calming, soothing show back in my life. I love this for you. Yeah. It's so good. I love them so much. Once the... So is this the one where like the episodes release slowly or is it all at once? Yeah, this is a weekly one. So that is a little bit of a like a... I hate that. (laughs) Um, But it's actually kind of nice because it forces me to like not binge the whole thing in two days. Um, And then I get like a nice little treat every Tuesday. I love that. (laughs) I think that I'm going to wait until um, the season is over and then I'll go ahead and like get the trial. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And do it. Binge it all. I'll do it the unhealthy way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can definitely, especially the first, the these episodes that they're releasing this season are a little bit longer. They're they've been like forty to forty five minutes, but the first season and even in the second season, I think they're all like thirty minutes max. So you can yeah. you can knock those out <laughs> super <Yeah>. quick, <laughs> and they're like light. It's not like watching you know ten hours of like stabbing and killing and murder. Like it's you know it's funny <laughs> and heartwarming. So you're good. <laughs> And I usually am doing other things while I'm watching TV. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to like just sit um, and watch. Yeah. So I just love having something on that I enjoy. So that's next. Yes. That'll be a good one. We'll have to have somebody on the show who uh, can talk with us about Ted Lasso. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody has had that on their, on their thing yet because I feel like it's a pretty popular show. I will say like if you are a writer and you have access to Apple TV – like Ted Lasso is a perfect study in character development. Mm-hmm. Like the arcs of their characters through these three seasons are just like so perfectly on point. So if you need to study up on some characters, that's a good one. I love shows like that. Yeah. Um, so what have you been watching or consuming? I have been, uh, we started Daisy Jones and the Six. And I'm coming at the show as someone who has not read the book. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't really have like any attachment to any character whatsoever. But yeah, all I can say is that I love the music. I think it's incredible. Um, and like m- my version would be that like I I love Camila and I love Karen mm. and I think they should get together. Like that's the the version that I would like to see. Yes, I could see that. Me too. Yeah. I know. They have lots of little moments and I'm like, it could happen. Yeah. Um, So we have a guest coming on in a couple weeks where we're going to do like a deep dive on Daisy Jones and the Six. But I have to say, like, I watched the whole thing already and I actually went back and started it again because Mm. I was like, it's just – 
and especially now that I've seen it, I did read the book, but I read it so long ago that I didn't really remember. Like, like everybody's like, oh, here's the things that are different. I'm like, I couldn't tell you because they're plot points and I don't remember plot at all. Um, but I just, I watched the episode last night. I don't know if you're there yet. It's episode three. Oh yeah. Where, um, when Billy and Daisy sing together for the first time. And like, I just, I had chills. Like, it's just so good. And I also have been listening to the soundtrack, like, on repeat, because they, the songs just get in your head and you can't get them out. They're so good. Their voices are incredible. The acting is incredible. The chemistry is incredible. Um, like the first couple of episodes, I looked at Michael and I was like, maybe I should write a music rom or a music romance. And then I was like, I could write all the songs. Um, and then I was like, an hour later, that sounds like a lot of work and probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably not going to happen anytime soon. But that would be amazing though. And you're a singer, <laughs> so you could do it. I love those shows where they really inspire you like I remember as a kid I'll never forget the feeling of walking out of the movie theater and being so inspired to create something because of something I watched yeah I love how shows and movies and like art in general inspires other art yeah that happens for me a lot like Mm -hmm. a lot of my stories are inspired even if it's just like a tiny little nugget Mm -hmm. of something that you see or hear yeah yeah but what? yeah, it's, it's one of those shows that really like gives you the chills. It does. They're so good. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm kind of sad that it's like a limited series. You know, you're not going to get like any more of it. You know, once the season is over, it's over. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but I will say too, I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we have our full episode on it. But I really like the limited series for a book adaptation because it gives you the space to like really explore everything. You don't have, you know, this like super time crunch. Um, And I just feel like it really allows you to get to know the characters in a way that you don't always get to in a movie adaptation. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I'm here for that. I love that. And I was thinking the same thing as I was watching. Um. Oh my gosh. And I have to tell you something so funny and like so amazing. So I finally like am done with my past pages. I turned in my pitches to my agent for new ideas. Yay. I have like zero writing obligations right now. And I put out a tweet on Twitter where I was like, you know, please give me something to watch quickly. I'm untethered. And I got <laughs> so many replies about you. And I was like, yay. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Look what we have built. <laughs> you know, I love that this is the reputation that I have created for myself. I'm not even joking. Like, if I could have a full-time job just talking about reality TV and pop culture, like, I, yes, sign me up. Like, where do I do Oh, that? my God. I got so many tweets, replies about, like, Fallon would love if you watched. <laughs> love is blind. <laughs> Drag <That's true>. race. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Drag Race is a must. Like, I, I think I saw that um, Matt suggested that to yeah, you. And I, yeah, yeah you got to So, um, what was I going to say? With Drag Race, unfortunately, I had it on the streaming service, but the seasons are all, like, out of order and weird. And there's, no. like, I can't 
make sense out of it. So I have to find a way to watch it chronologically. Yeah. Well, and you can, I will say, like, I know that Matt Wardell and I had a little bit of a disagreement on this when we did recorded our episode. Mm -hmm. But so I would start, what I did is I started with season six because season six to me is like funny and light. And, you know, of course there's emotional moments and drama and things like that. But I feel like just the cast in general has like a really good family vibe. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back to some of the earlier seasons like, so I watched season six and then I went back and watched like three, four, five. You don't need to watch season one and two because it's just not quite there yet. It, you know, the show mm-hmm. needed like some time to work out the kinks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the nice thing about like reality competition shows is you can watch them out of order and it's not like the worst thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm yeah. taking notes. Do it. Season six. All right. Season six. Do it. We uh, have an amazing guest today, Carlin Greenwald, who we have some really interesting and fascinating conversations about um, unlikable characters. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about the new season of Love is Blind, so you know that we're into that. And then uh, Carlin kind of takes us through a deep dive on some really interesting theme park stuff that I didn't really know about that was super cool. Uh, so it's just a really fun episode, and I think we're going to have to chat more with Carlin because we ran out of time. We had too much good stuff to talk about. Oh my gosh. Right. Carlin's (laughs) amazing. On top of her releasing like her first two debut novels in two different genres back to back. Like wild. Yeah. Sizzle Reel comes out. April 18th. Yeah. April. And then Time Out comes out in May 30th. Thank you. Yeah, I just amazing. listened to the episode. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, you're a genius. <laughs> Literally just finished listening to it. So that's the only reason I, ha- I was on that. You're such um, a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we will be right back with Carlin Greenwald. Hello. Happy to meet cute friends. We are so glad you are here with us. We have a super special guest today who is my very dear friend, and I'm very, very excited to have her on the show. Carlin Greenwald is an author, graphic novelist, and screenwriter hailing from Manhattan Beach, California. She graduated from USC in 2018 with a degree in English and film, as well as minors in screenwriting and forensics in criminality. Holy hell, criminality, (laughs) which I didn't know, and that's incredible. (laughs) Uh, she's worked development gigs at companies like Illumination Entertainment, Mandeville Films, Vertigo Entertainment, and 141 Entertainment. Her novels have been selections in prestigious mentoring programs such as Pitch Wars and Author Mentor Match, where she now serves as a mentor. R.I.P. Pitch Wars, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Her adult <laughs> debut, Sizzle Reel, will be published by Vintage Books. April 18th, 2023. Put it on your calendar if you don't want to miss it. When not writing, she's scouring theme park YouTube. Amazing. Playing video games and hanging with her dogs. And we just met Phoebe, who is a doll. Carlin, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I cannot wait. We are excited to have you. And I just have to say, because it's been a theme in recent episodes, especially because you are also a Southern California person, 
The sun is shining. We are not sitting in piles of rain. It's a beautiful day. Like, I feel like a new human being. I, like, walked outside this morning. I was like, oh, thank you. I honestly forgot that, like, it's, I couldn't, I was like, oh, wow, it's sunny. And you're like, wait, it hasn't been sunny. It might not be sunny tomorrow. I need to savor this. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Savor it for sure. I feel like a house plant that has been like <laughs> finally put in the window. <laughs> uh, I feel like that. I'm gonna call myself a house plant from now on. Yeah, like I need the sunshine. I need it. I know. And um, oh my gosh, my brain went blank. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the sun. But Carlin, so you are just a few weeks out, um, not to like put the timeline on you, (laughs) but you are a few weeks out from Sizzle Reel, but you also have another book coming out. Tell us about your books, man. Oh, yeah. I somehow, clearly I need to update my website, which like, yeah, of course. Um, So I have a... um, YA debut. It's co-written with actor Sean Hayes and um, producer Todd Milliner. And it's a YA contemporary about a gay um, basketball star in rural Georgia who decides to come out um, very publicly at a pep rally and things do not go as they plan. And he has to kind of like reevaluate what his life is going to be like sort of after the backlash, like isn't as good as he wanted it to be. And then he ends up falling in love. And it's it's just it's weirdly kind of thematically like works with sizzle reel in a way that like we weren't really anticipating. But yeah, so that's coming out. And actually, Sean Hayes was just on Colbert like yesterday or today. I don't know how time works. So like, yeah, <laughs> it's like both those are going on at the same time. So how are you doing this? Is, wait, what? <laughs> when does Time Out release? Oh, yeah, it comes out May 30th. Oh my god! Oh wow! So you got yeah, super so close together. Yeah, both your debuts. <laughs> boom, boom! April eighteenth, May thirtieth. How are you hanging yeah. in there? I. It's so weird. We're like, I guess I'm fine. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. But it'll probably like hit me eventually, and then you have a mental breakdown. Because I feel like it seems like everyone has those, <laughs> and I'm just waiting. I'm like, okay, when's it gonna happen? <laughs> like, I. So, yeah, I was like, I guess I'm fine. I don't know if it's, like, I've had enough people come before me who, like, have given me such wonderful advice and, like, prepped me for what to expect emotionally and, like, expectations and stuff like that. So I think that's helped a lot. And Courtney is, like, one of those people where I'm like, thank God, I love you. You, like, helped me so much. I love and, you. Yeah, but again, I think it'll hit at some point. And because um, the funny thing is I'm hosting, like, five of my grad school friends. Like... <laughs> the weekend before sizzle real launches so i'm like okay logistics where am i putting everyone do i have to go buy an air mattress what kind of food can they eat so like i'm so fixated on that that i'm almost like oh i'm just gonna have the mental breakdown like an hour before (laughs) that's maybe good though it's like a good distraction like so you're not like fully and i actually think Mm -hmm. the timing could work really well because they say and I have found this to be true that like six to seven weeks like after your book releases you have this like major like downslide because yeah. you've just built up everything to this moment and then you work so hard on it and then the kind of aftermath is like 
sort of a letdown a little bit, but mm-hmm. you won't have that because you'll just go right into your next book. Yeah. Well, that, and then six weeks after that, it'll just hit twice as hard. Then you just need a vacation. You need to like plan yeah. a vacation after that. When is that? Six weeks after May 30th. Sometime in July. Oh, well, then Rachel's coming to town. So yeah. yay, Rachel. I can just keep delaying it. It'll happen in like December. <laughs> Just put it off as long as possible. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm gonna start second half of 2023. It's just going to be me like twiddling my thumbs like, okay, what now? We should but, plan a writing retreat. We should. Or like a so reading fun. retreat or an eating retreat. Like something. I mean, I'll always be writing something. That's also my problem. So I was like, I'm going to write some screenplays after this. Like I also do that regularly. That's not like, a, oh, this is my first time. Amazing. Like, oh, that'll be a... Because those, they don't, they don't get published. I don't think. If someone wants to buy one of my scripts, like, go ahead. But it's not, like, there's not an <laughs> expectation on it, so. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. I don't know. Very cool. Um, well, can you tell our listeners about Sizzle Reel? Like, give us your elevator pitch. Yeah. So it is a an adult um, queer rom-com that follows a 24-year-old talent manager's assistant, who comes out as bi and thinks she needs to like make up for lost time because she didn't come out in high school. So she's like, I'm going to try to get with this ambiguously gay actress client who sort of is in the same world that she is currently working in. And shenanigans ensue. What? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of like dealing with the feelings of like coming out as bi like slightly later in life and all the baggage that comes with that combined with just like romantic hijinks and like celebrity romance and then there's a love triangle and yeah it's it's a little everything it's amazing and i was so lucky to read an early draft of this um and i have loved it like it has been in the forefront of my brain ever since i've read it it's incredible you are all going to love it so much and i also um love there's a lot of but is she gay (laughs) like for as far as like the uh love interest so so there's some of that of like wait are they like reading signals and trying to decipher signals as somebody who like newly came out as bi and it's very cool it's very good it's just handled so well the representation is amazing the LA like setting is so vibrant and alive and we get to see parts of LA that a lot of people probably like I don't I didn't know about and you it, ugh, it's magic it's magic and you're Thank gonna you. love it <laughs> Thanks. so, so exciting <laughs> um what was your I know you've had sizzle reel like on your heart for, and with you for a while what has been one of like your favorite parts of the process with this book oh man I mean, like in the actual publishing process, I think there is something so special about connecting with an editor for the first time. It's almost like, you know, where your agent, you're like, yeah, you like my stuff. And you kind of have that as like a baseline. It's there's something so special about like getting to that level where like someone else in the industry is like, this is amazing, too. And so, yeah, like just that first call with my editor, it was just incredible to be like, wow, like I finally made it to the stage and like, look at how she loves this book. And like, we still will go back and forth, be like oh, this is such a Romy thing. Or like, I'll send her pictures of celebrities, be like, this is such a Val thing. Like she engages with it in the way that like, I engage with my work. Like, and so it's just, it's so cool to like have someone else like 
join your team who feels that way about your project too. And then in the promo process, I mean, just like anytime a reader DMs me and is like, I was struggling too with like coming out and this book has really helped me. Like, that's just amazing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I definitely wrote this book for like, you know, when I was newly dealing with all the queer feelings and there was definitely just that impression of like, you would read books and they weren't making as many mistakes as you were. Like they weren't questioning things the way you were. And I felt like, oh, I could never find love because of like, I have all these problems. And so I wrote this book being like, this character's gonna have a bunch of problems, but they're still <laughs> gonna find love and hoping that someone in the real world will connect with that. So yeah, just like seeing that that actually happened, it's amazing, right? Like that's what we do this for. So it's cool that that's actually like happening when you hear that that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. That is an amazing feeling, especially when you get those like first couple DMs where you're just like, oh, wow, like this is like a real thing now. And like people are reading my words and they don't hate them and they actually mean something. Like that's a pretty incredible like first, first moment feeling for sure. Mm-hmm. sometimes I'll even screenshot them like just for my own self I would never yeah. share but <laughs> yeah. um, I will go back like if I'm ever having a day where I'm just down or feeling bad about writing or whatever it's so nice to go back and look and think like okay this is why this is why part of why I do this and it's very cool mm-hmm. it's so rewarding that's smart <laughs> I'm like, can I screenshot DM or will they see? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> they probably can't. I don't think they, they can. These- you could test it on I don't me. Know. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's always private. Don't worry. But yeah, yeah, it's just like it means so much. And I don't think people realize like how much it means to get a message about your book like that. Mm-hmm. So keep sending them. Yes. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> if you're wondering, send an author a DM. That's nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Always yes. Every yes. time. I love it. And something I absolutely adore about this book is the sex positivity, especially from a queer lens. Like, mm-hmm. I just think you handled it with so much love and so much care um, in a way that it sort of breaks down the heteronormativity of like how our culture views sex and Mm -hmm. in a way that like through Luna's journey of coming out and exploring her sexuality um, is just really healing and also educational and empowering. Like it's all these things in a rom-com. So Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, thank you for writing a book like that because I think it's something that I haven't seen a lot of in other rom-coms. Um, and it's just very unique, I think, to this story. And I hope it's something that a lot of other authors will incorporate into their stories as well. Like, it's just very inspiring. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. I mean, like, again, I just wanted to create a character who, like, was struggling more than the average person. Just so if someone else was going around being like, hey, what is queer sex? And like, how do I reconcile that with like what I'd been brought up to believe like was like baseball and like all that kind of stuff. Like, how do you reconcile it? And what does it mean? So I wanted someone who's struggling more (laughs) to like go through that journey. And you'd be like, you could see that that person can figure it out. Like, so can you. Yeah. So yeah. And like the other thing that I think is just like 
this is partially just me getting bored all the time, but I'm like, if I'm going to keep writing sapphic sex, like I don't want it to be like one act is going to be like count as the sapphic sex. <laughs> so I also just want to like, in every book that I write, I try to be able to incorporate like a bunch of things, like characters trying out different positions, different acts, like whatever. And being able to say like, as long as it's two queer folks, it's queer sex. Like that's it. Yeah. And yeah, just, um, Something, sorry for the pause. I had to clear my throat. <laughs> um, I, shoot, what was I going to say? Dang it. I lost it. Sorry. I took my pill a little late today. So it's like <laughs> not kicked in my focus yet. <laughs> uh, it's all good. But it's wonderful. It really, oh, and it, I think what I was going to say, just like, there are so many of those questions, especially like as a baby gay, you know, like Luna pretty much is like as far yeah. as sharing her journey and I think it's just really healing and cool to read that in a book like those questions are very normal like it normalizes Mm -hmm. that experience and those questions and that exploration and just kudos to you thank you (laughs) I love it um okay so this next thing that we're gonna chat about is like one of my favorite things ever um I like have this very clear memory of when I was first chatting with my Pitch Wars mentors, uh, Alexa Martin and Suzanne Park, where they were like, like, we love an unlikable heroine, but maybe we need to like scale this one back like a bit. And (laughs) I read their email and I was like, wait, she's unlikable. Like I, (laughs) in my (laughs) poor, poor little brain, like I was like, did not see her that way at all. And looking back now, I'm like, I oh, know she definitely was. But um, I just feel like it's such an interesting topic. And I think we're seeing so many more like unlikable lead characters popping up in our romances. And I'm here for all of it. Like I, uh, I think I talked about Midnight Duet on the podcast already, where I was like, oh, she's a terrible human being. And I love her so much. And I just love that we get to celebrate that. Um, So yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts on like, why you maybe choose to write unlikable characters. And like, I feel like we're taking ownership of that word, like, unlikable in that like, it's a compliment in this space. (laughs) I feel like sometimes people hear that and are like, that's a mean thing to say. But I think it's a compliment. Um, So yeah, that was a long segue into basically, I want to hear all your thoughts about unlikable characters. Yeah. I mean, well, the funny thing is like, what does that even mean? And you can like scour Goodreads and every single type of like romantic heroine will probably be labeled as unlikable. And like for some characters, you know, I guess like the more, the older version that people know is like just when someone's a bitch. And, like, that's kind of one version of it. But it's, like, when I was writing Sizzle Reel, like, Luna isn't particularly mean. She's just kind of, like, confused and pathetic. <laughs> like, that's the version of unlikable that she is. So I was kind of, like, I wasn't going out to write an unlikable character. I was writing, like, a character that's filled with anxiety and it's probably annoying to hang out with. <laughs> and that was, like... That was like a whole version of unlikable that I had never even really thought of. But it's like, yeah, I I don't know. Like for me, I just set out to write complex and then interesting characters. And there's, you know, it's like in writing there, you're taught that like a character has to have a flaw that they start out with. 
And then throughout the book, they go on a journey and then hopefully they end up like changed in some way by the end. And like, depending on the kind of story, either that flaw is like understood and worked through or it's not. And like, I don't know, that's like storytelling to me. So it's so interesting of like what readers will sort of expect from a character and the way that like, just sometimes female characters, it's like they're not allowed to have that journey of going from being flawed to something else. And like, I, I don't know, it's it's kind of baffling to me because I go into these books and like, at this point, I guess it's because you're in the conversation so much. But when I'm reading a book and I don't like the main character, especially if it's a female one or, you know, gender nonconforming or anyone who isn't a cis man, like I think mm-hmm. this kind of applies across the board. You're just like, oh, I don't like you. But then you're kind of weird. like, okay, well, I'm still compelled to read this. Like, I don't need to like you. And I'm not going to like dock the book. Like, it's not necessarily a flaw in the writing for a character to have terrible opinions or be really naive or whatever it is that like people don't like. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so interesting to now sort of be, to add something into the conversation with my own work and being like, okay, what do y'all think? I'm going to have a different kind of unlikable character in the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, it's almost like if your female characters have a personality, someone will find them unlikable. <laughs> you know yeah like (laughs) i would love to like if any human being was transposed into a book instantly unlikable like i can't imagine because especially when you're in their head too like i don't know Mm -hmm. when have we all not done something or thought thought something that was like in any way i don't yeah what do you say good (laughs) what is the opposite of unlikable character boring (laughs) i think it's boring so funny because i had the same moment like as both of you described where i didn't realize that morgan and in the event of love was unlikable (laughs) because i just put so much of my own stress into that character and like you know she's got some childhood trauma and yeah she's the city girl coming back to the small town so maybe that automatically like um typecasts her as unlikable Mm -hmm. however like she just has a lot she has to work through and I didn't realize that was unlikable and I was like oh my god does that make me unlikable (laughs) no I I don't know if I've had that thought yet or or if I've just been like mad no yeah and I don't know yeah I know it's yeah but then I sort of had this feeling of like pride like okay cool Mm -hmm. i wrote an unlikable uh heroine (laughs) heroine yeah (laughs) but um i don't know the whole conversation is so so interesting and then now with my second book with the lead being male i wonder i'm really curious to see and this is it's just like almost like a human experiment or a society experiment in my in my brain but i always think of the show californication with mm-hmm. Dave Duchovny, like, to me, that is the epitome of an unlikable um, lead, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's constantly fucking up his own life and the lives of those around him by, like, the poor decisions that he makes. But you see where he makes those decisions from, and so you want him to heal those things and do better, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's the epitome of the unlikable so, yeah, like you're saying, Carlin, it's always interesting to see what's labeled as unlikable. Does it mean 
annoying? Does it mean anxious? Does it mean stressed out? Like, what does this mean now? But I guess we all have our own different definitions of it. Yeah. But no, I mean, the thing about the male lead versus the female lead, I I mean, I have the same thing as you where like timeout is about is a male lead. And like some like you can see it in <laughs> trade reviews. And then I've seen it just like sort of glimpsing at Goodreads where it is so different. And like when I when like we were approaching both those characters, like it was the same mentality with both of them being like, this is their background. These are the things they're working through both characters like like you say they fuck up their own lives and fuck up lives around them mm-hmm. and yeah it's such a different reaction i i just want to keep writing and then like keep hitting different like points and being like how do people react to this how do people react to this how do people react to this yeah so and, and then like, yeah with tv too i mean like look succession is like what one of the most successful shows out right now and like i too am totally under the spell we're like Every single one of those guys is a terrible person, (laughs) but like they're drawn in a way that's so compelling and so weirdly human that you're like, all right, I'm going to go watch these billionaires make business deals and it's going to be great. And like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's so interesting the way that like it can be such a huge marker of like these successful books and shows and everything, but there's still like discourse around it. I don't know. It's just fascinating. Like, yeah, that's the right word. I think it is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think you can think of lots of examples. I think we, I don't know, Courtney, if we were talking about this, like we look at, you know, Ben Barnes and Shadow and Bone and yeah, it's a little bit different because it's a fantasy, but like everybody is just like thirsting for him and he's a horrible, horrible character who does terrible, awful things and, like, murders hundreds of people without even caring. Or, like, in You, the main character, you know, like, and yet we're still all just, like, you're hot, so it's okay. I I support hot villains across the entire gender spectrum, and I support them all. I, I, you know, I couldn't get into the last season of You, but that's not, I don't know if it's Joe's fault. Or if I just got bored. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. Support them all. Like, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's fun. Like, let's yeah. just have fun, guys. I yeah. think the answer here is that we need more hot female villains. Oh, my I, God. Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Just, just going to okay. uh, say something in a yes. But yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Why would you hold back? <laughs> Well, I guess it made me a little too much. <laughs> do we, do any come to mind besides like Ursula? Okay. Uh, I have to think about this. Or like cartoon Kate, characters. Kate, Blan- Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, okay. that's a good one. Yeah, she's a good one. What? <laughs> like just non remorseful. Um, no, there's some that are like cool. And I'm trying to think of like where. You're genuinely you're like the worst person ever, but you're so compelled. Oh no, all these are not what I'm thinking of. Like, no. I mean, like for me, Avatar: Last Airbender, like Azula has been like. After I watched it as a child, I like wasn't on board, but then like when I started watching it as an adult, I was like, she's my favorite. Mm. <laughs> so like, she was a really good one. Um, I guess you oh, can go Game of Thrones. Like, I was going to say. Amazing. 
Yeah, Cersei's good. I mean, I um, guess Amelia Clark became a villain on that show. Uh, we don't whatever, have to talk I still about support that. her. She <laughs> was right, and the writers just decided to do that to her. Yes. And then, like, I don't know, if you're watching House of the Dragon, if you consider Rhaenyra a villain, like, okay. Oh, no, you know what? Allison is probably the one that people actually view as a villain. I love her. She is, I love her so much. I think that Rhaenyra and Allison should just admit that they love each other and should just get together. <laughs> they won't do it, though, because of the patriarchy. But, uh, yeah, I like, um, they, <laughs> there are some good ones, but they are hated so much more. Like, if you take the worst. Like, you, like, take Game of Thrones. If you take Amelia Clark, if you take, oh my god, Daenerys versus, Daenerys. like, I don't know, who's, who's the, what's his name? The one who flayed people? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the show, so I'm just like, this is so entertaining right now. I know, I no, can't, it's Ramsey. been so long. I think oh, yeah, yeah, Ramsey. Yeah, like, take someone who's actually like, this is so awful so evil. and if you look yeah. at probably like how much discourse there is around either of those and you're like well yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure daenerys was more hated than ramsey by the end of it yeah yeah dms if y'all think of more <laughs> yeah i want to look at some hot chick villains <laughs> that'd be great i'd love our dms to be filled with that yes <laughs> <laughs> make that happen okay Ooh, actually this is a fantastic segue here because love a good segue you are a fan of love is blind carlin everybody who listens to this podcast knows that i'm obsessed with love is blind <laughs> um as we are w- recording this the new season is just a couple of days old so i have not watched the entire thing yet i've watched the first two episodes but irena Mm-hmm. from love is blind season four is probably the worst person who has ever been on this show it's so true i <laughs> i have to wonder terrible yeah are they like specifically casting for this now like i, I feel like they've been getting so much worse and like Irina, you're like wow y'all did it and micah too like yes. what's going on Yes, I just, I think one of the things that I've always really liked about Love is Blind is that it hasn't gone like the way of The Bachelor, where you see the women just like constantly fighting with each other all the time. Like in general, they're very supportive of each other. And, you know, you have your outliers that are like a little bit catty, but like, this is like beyond like they are just in the first two episodes that I have watched. Irina is like like eavesdropping on people's conversations and then going back and like telling other people what was said and then like laughing as people are like this one poor woman is like hysterically crying over this conversation she just had with a guy and she's like laughing <laughs> in her face like she is laughing and like the woman is right there sobbing and I'm like oh my god I, I, you know, I never really watched reality TV before Love is Blind. I don't know. Like, somehow it just got recommended to me enough on Netflix that I watched it and I got so into it. But I, like, kind of know the tropes. And you're like, wait, this wasn't supposed to be like this. But this feels very much like what I expected from reality TV. And I guess it's, like, kind of surprising that it didn't happen earlier. But it's also, like you know, you expect there to be rivalries among the women and among the men because it's like you have a limited pool and if there's only so many good ones, 
I suppose you would have to fight over them, but like, yeah, it was always like an, yeah, it was like, there's always only one and they were just, you know, it would be a very sort of isolated thing where it didn't really feel like they were right away (laughs) trying to like sabotage each other. Like it seemed like they would only get mad after whoever kicked and then you could be bitter about it. Right. No, they're doing it right away. It's, and you're like, oh no, aren't you guys just supposed to be like, what is it, talking through a wall? <laughs> it's just so wild. And it's like just so blatant and in your face. And I am just like, this is not going to work out the way that you think it's going to work out. Like I can understand if maybe your intention of going on the show is to like establish yourself as some sort of like brand or whatever, if that's, you know, you're not doing it for the right reasons, as they say mm-hmm. in the bachelor world, but <laughs> like, this is not it. This is not, this is not how you get your endorsements for, you know, green tea, whatever Instagram <laughs> thing they're going to have you sell. Like, cause everybody hates you. Like, this is not, it's not a good look. It's just so interesting because it's like at first you kind of thought that like it's reality TV, but like that they were kind of trying to stick to the experiment aspect of it and like set it up like as well as you could set up any social experiment. But now you're just kind of like, well, this is completely messing with the integrity of the show. And like, is are the producers going to go with it and let it sort of go off the rails? Or are they going to try to like pull it back at some point? I don't know. It's interesting because now you're like, yeah. Obviously, you're not going to get married to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, because you're a terrible human being. Um, And I saw a spoiler that she gets engaged to somebody. And I was like, what the F? I mean, obviously, (laughs) but I think kind of to your point about like the sort of skewing the experiment is. It goes to the fact that you know, we sort of go into this believing like you can fall in love with somebody in 10 days and know them as a person because you're spending all this time together. But clearly this guy doesn't know her because nobody is going to propose to somebody that's like an actual evil person. But he's not seeing that side of her because, you know, he's not watching her interact with other people. So it does bring up this sort of like, well, here's a big problem with this experiment is we're saying that you can know somebody and love somebody in this time, but he obviously doesn't really know her and yeah, that's almost, not good. It makes it so stressful where you're like, if I was on this program, you could totally be like emotionally catfished. Cause it's, yes. like, it's not yes. even that long that you have to sustain a fake personality for it. What? Right. Like, yeah. You said like 10 days. Yeah. Someone could do that. Yeah. yeah. You could be yeah. whoever you want for 10 days. And you only have to be the fake person when you're in the rooms, and, when yeah. you're like living in the, you know, general living space with every with the other women like you can or the other men you can be whatever you want because they're not picking you and they can't see your facial expressions right yeah which is even harder i think to fake when you're reality tv will show it but yeah yeah um i would be curious to know when they started filming this season if it like because it feels very fast from Mm -hmm. last season like it feels like it was a pretty short time in between the two um, so I wonder if they were almost like, like filming this, like while the other one was dropping so that we were kind of getting them a little bit more back to back because, um, yeah, I feel like we haven't had like 
a real couple to like really root for since Cameron and Lauren in the first season. Oh, wow. And so I wonder if they're just like, well, we're never going to find that again. So we might as well just go for the drama and bring on all the villains. I mean, they keep trying, but like in this season, I guess Tiffany and Brett, I'm like, okay, y'all are at least the most level-headed people here. So if anyone has a chance, it's probably you guys. I don't know if it's true love, but like, good luck. I know the other two that they had set up in season two and season three, who was it? It was like Nick and I can't remember the girl's name. Danielle. Danielle. And they ended up breaking up and you could kind of see why. Yeah. And then the third season, I kind of, it was Brennan. And again, I cannot remember. I think that's Alexa. Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I don't like them at all. And I'm kind of waiting for them to break up. And then there was that thing about like Brennan, like assaulted a girlfriend prior to the show. And you're like, Ooh, I didn't see that. Like, I'm sure you're like, did that come into play at any point in this? I don't know. I'm like, uh, I don't support any of y'all. I don't like Alexa and Brennan either. I do think that they'll probably stay together because I feel like they're both bad people. And so they can just be bad people together. Rip to their kids. I know. So sad. I do like Tiffany and Brett this season. And I think what is nice is that they're both in their mid-30s. Like, they're both very clearly, like, established, mature. Like, they seem to, like, have their shit together. And I think that typically works out better in these instances um, than, like, people that are, like, in their early 20s and you know those people doing still don't know what they're doing (laughs) yeah no i feel it was really sweet actually to see that like they were like 35 36 and yeah oh like what if you do find love on this show that'd be so nice yeah but no they bring on the like 24 year old or who how old was bartice or whatever and you're like no you're yeah number one you have no maturity anyway and you're 25 like yeah i'd be so mad if i like talking to someone in that pod and I found out they were like 23 I'm like no mm-hmm. yeah no, Bart and Cole last season were both like 25 or 26 and then their partners were like 30 or 31 and like this is not like an age gap thing it was just a maturity level thing like the yeah. boys were they were boys they were so mm-hmm. immature that when yeah. they got into these relationships that were supposed to be you know adult relationships they just like couldn't Mm-hmm. and i always yeah. wonder like what this show would, again if it's not a show if you literally did this experiment with like normal people who were like actually ready to get married because it's like to some extent they have to make this entertaining and you're like right okay right. you picked out these people who have like no emotional maturity have all these issues because it's gonna like make drama but i'm like this isn't real this is like isn't the actual version of this experiment that i'm always wondering yeah. about but no, it's just, I also just drama. <laughs> would like to see this show without a t- bunch of people who are all conventionally attractive. Yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, unfortunately, I think you would see a lot more of, like, people being like, oh. Yeah. Like, but I think it'd be interesting to see if anyone isn't like that. Because <laughs> that even right. happens, like, with the conventionally attractive ones where they're like, oh, so-and-so isn't my type. And you're like, yeah. okay, if that's the case, can y'all just break up like immediately? I don't want to keep watching you do this. this right. Is painful. Yeah, I guess that would be really not fun to watch in that I situation. I don't know. Someone would probably enjoy it, but I have too much of like cringe. Yeah. Well, because you would automatically, I think, 
no matter what in that situation, you're going to feel empathy for the person who like is in love. But this other person is like, you're not hot enough for me like that. Mm. That's not fun. And like, honestly, confession, when I (laughs) mess dating, but like when I dated, I would definitely go in these situations where like, it takes so long to warm up that you're like, oh, I'm not that attracted to you. But like, maybe if I keep going on dates and getting to know you, it'll change. Like, I kind of get that instinct. Yeah. But it's also like from the outside, you're like, no, it's not going to work. Just stop. Mm. <laughs> That's a good point, though. And it is true. I mean, you do have to have, I mean, you have to be attracted to the person that you're going to be with. Like, I think yeah. that everybody can agree on that. Um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just... I just can't stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, I know that no, it's for terrible sure. for my brain, but I just, I don't care. I can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're running a little short on time. So I think we can maybe jump to our last topic if we're all good with that. Mm-hmm. Since we could talk for, about Love is Blind for like yeah. an hour easily. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> um. Courtney gets to live vicariously through all my reality TV drama because I make her listen to it. I love it. It's a great summary for me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But Carlin, you're like super into theme parks, Mm -hmm. um, which I think especially living in California is so cool because we have so many amazing ones. So local to us Um, and theme park YouTube, which I have not ever really like dipped into. So how did that come about? To be honest, I don't remember. I think it was that I have like a friend who's more online than me and like can take in more content. So she would send me videos from this YouTuber um, named Jenny Nicholson, who she kind of does like pop culture and theme park. Like, I don't even know, like these really long form videos, just like discussing them. And so I watched a lot of those. Like she, I'm trying to think of examples of her videos. Like she does fan fiction readings, but she also will do like, I went to the Avatar part of Disney World and like here is a three hour review of it, like that kind of thing. And somehow, like, if the person is compelling enough, you like you'll watch. And then through that, I found Defunct Land, which is like kind of an internet documentarian who at first he was creating a fictional theme park, taking every defunct ride that he like wanted to bring back and put into a park. So it'd be like taking the I don't know, like the King Kong ride from Universal Studios. I think that in like bringing it back in there. And because there's so many amazing rides, obviously, over the course of like you have even in Southern California, but if you count Southern California and Florida, like what? Like half a dozen or more parks. And then they have histories that are like a century old. So they obviously will keep cycling things in. And like then there's also the thing with like technology of like they will take out rides that had almost more artistry to them. And you see that a lot of like, I mean, Universal Studios is the worst about this. Like, I don't know if you've been on the the tram tour in a while. Like, I'm 27. I can still remember when it had all the animatronics in it. Like, it had yeah. the giant King Kong that you would see in real time. And like, they had, they showed you like all the actual practical effects. And that was sort of the charm of it. And now it's all screens. And that's also oh. the case of the Jurassic Park ride where they like took out a lot of the mechanics to it to like Mm -hmm. the real sort of real objects that would be a part of that ride like your place with screen so it's kind of like yeah there is this very interesting nostalgia for that of like if i could have that experience again like what would it look like and then he also just does like i don't know he does a lot of history on like disney i had no idea like 
Michael Eisner, who was the CEO in the 90s, he, like, if you want to defunct land, he has, like, at least five videos of, like, different ventures that Eisner did that failed. And it became, like, a joke if you watched the series enough of, like, oh, this thing happened in the 90s. You don't know what it is anymore. Michael Eisner did it. <laughs> and so it's just, I don't know, you get in these rabbit holes where you're, like, I care deeply about this one Disney theme park that was going to be in, like, middle America, and it failed somehow. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just find this stuff so fascinating. Like, I don't even go to the parks that much because it's, like, work. Yeah. It costs money. And I get overheated very easily. So I have to go in, like, very specific windows. But I'd love to go back. So, like, you keep learning information. And, like, I did take a class on it, too, in college. It was, like, an icon class. And then at the very end, they did Disney. And so it's USC. It was a very small program. So they got us all Disneyland tickets and we just like went to Disneyland to like, I don't remember what we were studying, but like, I guess we did some kind of like analysis on Disney. So like, I think I did one on like, I think I wrote a paper on, it was like the idea of like how much they'll scare kids on rides where like, you know how they'll, you go through like the storybook rides and they'll never show the like climactic scene where like the villain dies. It's always mm-hmm. like, oh you know, you see, like, a image of, like, the hero and the villain about to fight, and then you go immediately to, like, the hero is happy and, like, in love. And I'm yeah. always like, hey, wait, where's Ursula <laughs> getting stabbed? That was in the movie. It's all the way in the background on The Little Mermaid ride. The There's, like, a little tiny thing. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they did that on a lot of the rides. There. I think, like, Peter Pan and, like, mm-hmm. back when um Splash Mountain, I guess now it's gonna that part's going to be defunct <gasps> again. Like you don't see, no, just the, just the Br'er Rabbit. In a good way. Oh yes. Got yeah, you. Taking out the Br'er Rabbit and the Br'er Bear and the Br'er Fox. Is that the guy's name? Oh and yeah. Again, where you could see them like about to like peril and then they're fine. So yeah. I wrote a paper yeah. on that. So it, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. And like, that's cool. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's something where it's like low culture, but there's a lot of, um, more deeper sort of things you can look into in terms of like history and sociology and anthropology. I think it's just really cool. My cousin just sent me this video. I haven't watched it yet, but it's all about, it's like an hour and a half. He sent it to me and I was like, I can't watch this right now. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, But it's like an hour and a half all about the history of the fast pass. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the funk land. That's my man, Kevin. Okay. And I was like, an hour and a half about this really and he's like just trust me you need to sit down and you need to watch this he's like i've watched it multiple times like it's that good and i'm like okay yeah i gotta watch it it will make you so mad because that's the thing is i'm like oh Oh, like you remember that we're like it was a really simple system you just got your little ticket yeah you planned it out and now i'm like i have to have an app i have to pay for this (laughs) you have to pay for it and i need a wristband like why'd you guys do this yeah i um (laughs) So my husband is a cast member um, oh, nice. and I was an annual pass holder for, you know, my whole entire life uh, until the pandemic. And then mm-hmm. I did not renew my pass after the pandemic. And so now I just go when we can use his cast member stuff. And um, for the hundredth celebration kickoff thing, they gave us two free tickets, which they do occasionally, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And the genie plus thing yeah. was like included with our tickets because I'm pretty firmly like, I am not paying for this. Like, I'm yeah. staunch on that point. I'm just, I'm like, I cannot do it. I, I just can't. But we got it and it was included in our tickets. And I was like, fuck if this doesn't make your day. 
a hundred thousand times more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to pay for that next time I go to Disneyland. Like they really get you. Yes, and I was like, I don't think I could bring myself because it's usually me and my kid that will just mm-hmm. go. I'm. I don't think I can pay fifty dollars for this. Like mm-hmm. in good conscience, I just can't. Mm-hmm. But. I can also see how, especially if you're the person who is only going like, you know, once a year or every other year or whatever, like it's worth it. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it ruins the experience for everyone else because it makes the standby lines impossible Mm -hmm. and awful and terrible. And I hate it. And I could, I could talk about that for an hour too, about how much I hate it these days. Um, but yeah, I just, the park history, I do think is so fascinating. And I think you can tie it into so many other things, you know, like just looking at the way prices have increased and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. It's a lot. And good that they're mm-hmm. reevaluating and changing the rides, some of the rides, like Splash Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, trying, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of what else they need to change, but like, yeah, that one was one where like, it's so strange how people were so mad about it because it's like, no one going on that ride has ever seen Song of the South, and you know that. Yeah. yeah. So. Right. Right. You're not so attached to these characters, and if no. you are, then that's a big problem. Yeah. All I ever <laughs> cared about did. and what I thought of when you mentioned it was just the drop. <laughs> I love yeah, the no, drop. Yeah. They can't take this. <laughs> Don't take the drop. Although I will yeah. say, yeah. when they took, the one thing I am mad about when they keep changing out is every time they took out the Tower of Terror theming and I'm like, that actually did make a difference. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, you enjoy the, gar- I enjoyed the Guardians ride. It like has a whole different vibe though. It like makes mm-hmm. people different things. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't the feeling I wanted. Like, I don't know, California Adventure, it used to have an actual theme that was California. Yes. And now it's just kind of like they're putting every IP in they can and it's like, it's just a whole different park. And I'm like, you guys, you had a vision that was really cohesive and <laughs> Not so much. You ruined it. <laughs> I mean, and I am obsessed with Marvel. So, like, I I love Avengers Campus. I mm-hmm. love Web Slingers. It's my kid's favorite ride. Like, mm-hmm. I I could spend all day there and be, like, totally happy and fine yeah. and wonderful. But when you walk from Avengers Campus, like, into Hollywoodland, you're like, this this is weird. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't see me do that. I I think it's funny they either need to make the entire park I'm surprised I guess it's probably a land problem where like they could have made an entire park of just their IP Mm -hmm. and then they just like decided not to so now it's like a really weird both parks more Disney California Adventure is just like this very weird like we didn't we don't know what to do now (laughs) right well and it's like if the Monsters Inc. ride wasn't there you could just sweep all of Marvel into that whole front section of the park, but Monsters is too popular. Mm-hmm. You can't get rid of it. Yeah. You could move it to Pixar Pier, but like, where are you going to put it? Like, that would have yeah. made sense <laughs> for yeah, it to yeah. be at Pixar Pier, yeah. <laughs> but there's no space over there. So I don't know what, like how they would even do that. But I do feel like Disney should probably call us and hire us as consultants. And yeah, I'm going to make them, them redo California Adventure and yeah. put that somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. And then they could just keep doing whatever they're doing on, on the Marvel stuff. Yeah, just give us a call. We're ready to send you all of our thoughts and opinions. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That was... <laughs> I seriously could talk about all of these topics for, like, 
another hour, but we we will save you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All of you. Uh, So before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internets? Yeah. So um, Instagram at Carlin underscore G-E-E. My TikTok, I still am trying to figure that out, but uh, it's the same thing. Carlin underscore G-E-E. And then Twitter, again, I guess, if you're still doing that, is at Carlin Greenwald. And I think that's it. Yeah, but mostly Instagram. And then your release dates. So we have Sizzle Reel on April 18th, which when this comes out, that'll be like next week. So quickly. And then Time Out on May 30th. Yep. And if you pre-order Sizzle Reel, you can get some stickers. So good time. Sweet. Probably by then it'll be announced, so I'm just going to go for it. But Carlin and, and I are doing an event at the Ripped Bodice. Yay! <laughs> okay, when yeah, is that? That is May 5th at, I believe, no, what was it? It's May 6th. It's a Saturday <laughs> at 5 p.m. And we're going, it's sort of like a after dark kind of event because, like, I don't want to talk about sex on my in my launch with my family there. So yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to talk about, like, sex and romance and queer sex and romance and all that kind of stuff it's gonna be fun yeah really fun get that on my calendar right now (laughs) okay so may 6th at the ripped bodice 5 p.m both of you superstars yeah carlin's gonna be amazing no you are too i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) you're both equally amazing (laughs) you are fallon (laughs) yes everybody is is awesome Everything is awesome. Okay, wrap it up. (laughs) Immediately heard that. That was a nice theme park tie-in too. So that's great. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Carlin, so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Can't wait to read your books. Congratulations on double debuting. Thank you so much. Go plan your vacation for your six weeks (laughs) after. Yes, napcation. all right thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week thank you so much for listening to happy to meet cute if you enjoyed our podcast we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media we are at happy to meet cute on instagram and also if you could please leave a review and subscribe that would be amazing if you would like to follow your host you can find courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibby and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time